Okay, welcome to the Queen Anne's County Commissioner's Meeting. This is a public meeting that is being aired live on our local cable television station, QAC-TV7. These media broadcasts provide county citizens an opportunity to watch and review our public meetings. In addition to our live audience this evening, we are providing remote options for citizens to watch and participate in county commissioner meetings. Citizens may watch our meeting live on our Queen Anne's County website at www.qac.org live or on our television channel, Atlantic Broadband Channel 7 and High Definition Channel 507. Citizens may also participate by joining the live Zoom meeting, and we have the link shown on the screen up here. They can also email comments directly uh, to the meeting at publiccomment at qac.org, and we will read those comments uh, during the present public comment period on this evening's agenda. We acknowledge your participation, and by attending, you acknowledge that this session is both recorded and aired, Press and public comment will be taken and is limited to three minutes per person. If you care to speak, please sign the sheet on the information table outside in the lobby. Comments longer than three minutes can be submitted in writing for our commissioner's review. We will now stand and be led in the Pledge of Allegiance by Commission President Chris Corcorino. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, if you could uh, please remain standing, a uh, moment of silence for passing of Tommy Cook and for the Cook family as they lay him to rest today. Thank you. Okay, Commissioners, we just held a Closed session, closed session under Section 3305B1 of the General Provisions Article to discuss boards and commissions and personnel. And I believe we did um, reach consensus to change the status of a part-time human resource assistant to full-time status. Uh, could I get a motion on that, please? I'll make the motion to take the part-time position, human resources, and uh, change it to a full-time position. Second. Motion a second. Any discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? 5-0, the motion carries. All right, thank you, commissioners. That'll be a great help in uh, our ongoing challenges with recruitment of our uh, workforce. That brings us to the today's agenda. Uh, we have our today's meeting agenda for November 9th, and along with the regular and closed session minutes from your October 26th meeting and the roads board minutes from the October 20th special hearing uh, at the Canal Island Estates Community Hall. Have all been circulated for your review. Do we have any additions or corrections? Yes, motion to amend the uh, agenda, adding action item number nine. Second. All in favor? Uh, Aye. Motion to accept the minutes and agenda as amended. All right. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Right. Thank you, commissioners. That brings us to our first press and public comment period. Thank you for taking the time to express your views to the county commissioners during this public comment period. Comments are limited to three minutes in length. Comments longer than three minutes should be submitted in writing. When you come forward, please speak clearly at the standing microphone. State your name, address, and topic of interest. Keeping with the dignity of our office, we ask that all views be expressed in a respectful and civil manner. This commission respects your desire and right to convey your message freely, and we ask as a courtesy to the board and our citizens that you respect the commissioner's request and refrain from naming citizens and or name calling when offering any critique. 
No one signed up. No one signed up. Anybody have uh, anything they want to say? Press the public comment. All right, we'll close press the public comment. Commissioners, moving on to new business for this evening. If you want to turn to tab number two in your books, we have the uh, Department of Public Works is here, and they have a number of items. So if uh, Director Alan Quimby and Chief Reds Engineer Shane Moore make their way up. We have uh, tab two, item one, page one. Uh, first thing is a systematic replacement of two tractor mowers. So could I get a motion on that? Yeah, uh, um, I move to purchase two John Deere 5100M utility tractors with Tiger mowers from Atlantic Tractor of Queen Anne, Maryland, in the amount of $206,615.04 via the Sourcewell contract 110719JDC. Second, okay, sorry. And we're in Convenience Rose Board for that, right? Yes, we are. Yes. All right. We've got a motion and a second. So, the price of a loan mower is hundred grand a piece now. Uh, Fifty-four for the mower uh, for, for the tractor, and then uh, about forty some for the actual oh. um, mower itself. We well, should, it's a side mower and a rear mower. It's two mowers oh, on each yeah. tractor. So, yeah. yes, we should live to see the day. How many of those do we have now? Uh, we have. Uh, so, out of curiosity, how many? What's your normal? We have ten cab tractors right now. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, make that fourteen cab tractors, and then we have several um, uh, older ones that don't have cabs. Mm -hmm. So, as part of this, this is a systematic replacement. So, we'll purchase two, and we'll get rid of two of the older ones. Right. And two of the older ones are 1993 Ford mowers that we used to. So, have you you normally keep like a fourteen in, for inventory purposes. Of these type of mowers there's usually 14 that are in working good condition ready to go and then there's several that are in repair or or parked waiting to for more for more repairs mm -hmm. so what's your next oldest after these 93s when you get rid of these are we still in the 90s uh the next it's oldest oldest after the 93s are we still in the 90s or are we make it to 2000 yet uh then we go to 2001 so we got two 93s, and then we have uh, one, two, three, four, five. We had six in 2001 that are the open cab old style, which are, have a lot of hours on them. But they're there as spares, and they also work on construction sites as well. All right, cool. Any other discussion? Mm -hmm. Call that vote. Uh, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? By zero, motion carries. All right, thank you, commissioners. Item two on page six is the... Worcester Road special assessment for road improvements project decision and a number of emails and uh, from the public record. So um, I'll let, if you want to make a motion on that or if you want to let uh, Shane kind of update the board on the public we'll record. Get a motion. We'll get a motion first. Motion, okay. Uh, I move to approve the Worcester Road uh, special assessment road improvement project. Second. Second. Okay. Give us an update. Uh, and, and follow up to the October 20th, 2021 uh, public hearing, which we had three attendees, uh, property owners attend. Um, working with Ken Island Estates Roads Association Board, we have finalized the uh, uh, public record. And out of the 21 property owners, 12 property owners have emailed in favor of the project as proposed. Four have uh, indicated they are not in favor of the project and oppose it. And we've had five property owners make no response at all. So we have a pretty good support for moving forward with the project. Okay. Any discussion? 
All right, so we have a motion to approve the Worcester Road Special Assessment Road Improvement Project. All those in favor say aye. <coughs> aye. aye. Any opposed? 5-0, the motion carries. Thank you. All right, thank you, commissioners. That's all we have for the roads board this evening. All right. Make a motion for sentence. Sanitary. Second. Okay, I'm going to sanitary. All right. Item number four. Excuse me. Three. Excuse me. Three. Item number three on page 23 is the um, uh, public works agreement for the Botel restaurant. And this is a follow-up from a... Um, allocation grant for the Botel Restaurant Phase 2. Can I get a motion on that, please? I move to execute the Public Works Agreement with Botel Restaurant LLC to allow them to construct a 5,531-square-foot restaurant. Second. All right. We got a motion and a second. Any discussion? Yeah, this, uh, these, this is coming off the commercial property side, right? That is correct. Okay. Any other discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Five zero motion carries. All right, thank you, commissioners. Item number four on page twenty-six is the systematic replacement of a uh, loader for the solid waste division. And this is for recycling activities. Can I get I, a motion on that? I move to purchase one case six twenty-one G loader with Asbury two point two five cubic yard four in one bucket and Henke REL hydraulic angle plow from GT Mid-Atlantic of Greenwood, Delaware in the amount of $205,503 via the source wall contract number 032119-CNH. Well, man. Can I get a second? Can we get a second? Second. 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 Yeah. Any discussion? So what are we, are we replacing here? Yeah. What are we doing? Replacing this is a, system, a systematic replacement of uh, the telehandler that we have out at the mature uh, at the uh, materials consolidation facility um, that we we would like to keep that that is a very unique piece of equipment uh, back at the uh, at the MCF when the, when the MCF started we actually did uh, more of the Merck program with the recycling so we purchased that it was actually a used purchase and um, it's very versatile however um, when Merck program moved away from Queen Anne's County and, and went back to uh, MES uh, that, that particular item was used more for just pushing up material and here and there. So we want to keep it as a um, kind of as an alternative to go to different sites. It's also listed in our debris management plan. It's very, very handy with that. But this, um, this loader would go to the Centerville and basically be used for push-up brush as well as help with recycling. And can it be used for snow plowing as well? Or? Very much so, yes. Okay. They're worth their weight in gold when we have snow. Okay. Good. All right, any other discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? 5-0, motion carries. Okay, I think that's all we have for the Department of Public Works for this evening. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. So we, we can now move to our action items under tab three. First, we have a proclamation number 2167. All right, I'll read this one. Proclamation 21-67. Whereas we have seen a significant rise in the number of citizens diagnosed with diabetes, a chronic condition that can lead to heart disease, kidney disease, vision loss, and other serious health problems. And especially during National Diabetes Month in November, we draw awareness to all forms of this dangerous condition and recommit ourselves to finding a cure. 
Whereas over the last year and a half, people living with diabetes have faced heightened risks to their health, their condition makes them more vulnerable to the worst effects of COVID-19. Whereas COVID, uh, well, sorry, whereas citizens who are diagnosed are faced with added challenges of high insulin prices, which puts their health and financial well-being uh, of their family at risk. Whereas while we continue to seek a cure, we also work to improve our awareness and prevention of diabetes. Whereas the county commissioners of Queen Anne's County are dedicated to raising diabetes awareness and to help prevent, treat, and manage the disease. Now, therefore, we, the county commissioners of Queen Anne's County, do hereby proclaim November as Diabetes Awareness Month in Queen Anne's County. And you'll see all the commissioners we are wearing orange pins today for uh, juvenile diabetes. Next one. All right, thank you, commissioners. Item number two on page two is Proclamation 2149. All righty, I'll get that one. Proclamation 21-49. Whereas the mission of One Mom's Battle and the Family Court Awareness Month Committee is to increase awareness on the importance of a family court system that prioritizes child safety and acts in the best interest of children. And whereas the mission of the Family Court Awareness Month Committee is to increase awareness on the importance of education and training on domestic violence, childhood trauma, and post-separation abuse for all professionals working within the family court system. And whereas the mission at the Family Court Awareness Month Committee is to educate judges and other family court professionals on the empirical data and research that is currently available, and such research is a critical component to making decisions that are truly in the best interest of children. And whereas this research includes the adverse childhood experiences, study CDC's-Kaiser Permanente, Saunders study, U.S. Department of the Justice, the Mir study, childhood custody outcomes in cases involving abuse allegations, and the Santa Clara Law study, confronting the challenges of high-conflict personality in family court. And whereas the mission at the Family Court Awareness Month Committee is fueled by the desire for awareness and change in the family court system while honoring the 100-plus children in the United States who have been murdered by a parent after a custody court rejected the other parent's plea for protection. That source is the center of judicial ex excellence. Now, therefore, we, the county commissioners of Queen Anne's County, hereby recognize the mission of One Mom's Battle and the Family Court Awareness Month Committee to increase awareness on the importance of the family court system to act in the best interest of the child's safety. Signed, the Queen Anne's County Commissioners. All right, very well done. Thank you, Commissioner Moran. That was a, Lots of new words. That's a Mr. <laughs> Mr. Wilson. <laughs> okay, moving right along. Item number three on page three is the uh, Maryland Transit Operating Grant Agreement Packet for Fiscal 22. And this uh, signing these documents informs MTA that Queen Anne's County accepts the federal and state funding to support transit services and county ride and the locally owned transit system for Queen Anne's County. I move to hereby accept the Maryland Transit Administration Operating Grants Agreement Packet to certify the Queen Anne County Department of Community Services Aid Area Agency on Aging will cooperate with the public transit system and will accept the awards as offered by the State of Maryland Department of Transportation for the fiscal year 2022. Second. All right, we've got a motion in discussion. Any discussion? Do I say anything? 
This is something we do. She's getting ready to. That's right. Every year. We That's that. true. Yeah. We're getting ready to get elected. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Motion carries. All right. Thank you, commissioners. Item four on page 23 is the Blue Heron Golf Course Grounds Maintenance Five-Year Contract. And this is a contract bid award for grounds maintenance at our, our own Blue Heron Golf Course. It's a five-year term beginning in January of next year through December 2026. We had three bids, and staff recommends the low bid growing solutions for the overall price of $1.4 million two hundred twenty three thousand six hundred eighty eight dollars and sixteen cents I move to authorize the Department of Parks and Recreation slash the Blue Heron Golf Course to enter a five-year contract with Growing Solutions LLC for the grounds maintenance of the golf course the terms of the contract are from January 1 2022 to December 31st 2026 at the amount of one million four hundred twenty three thousand six hundred and eighty eight dollars and sixteen cents Funding to come from the Department of Parks and Recreation Blue Heron Golf Course Enterprise Fund under maintenance agreements. Second. Yes, I have a question. Um, so this is a five-year contract. Um, just out of curiosity, and it looks like uh, in year 24 and 25, there's a 5% increase in the annual amount. Is this a common thing to commit to a five-year contract for an outside contractor to maintain the golf course? I mean, is that an unusually long time? No, we've done it now. I think this is the third third time that we've done the five-year contract with them. By the time a company like that uh, has to lease equipment and bring it in, mm -hmm. set up shop, get used to all the problem areas on the golf course. So they want some sort of long-term commitment for right. that. And do you have anywhere in your contract agreement a clause that you can get out of that contract at any given moment? We have a, it's written in there that if there's a discrepancy that we can bring the University of Maryland Turfgrass Management in to look at the problem and you know, come to terms if they're not doing their job, then we can get out. I mean, I know we have these issues on other contracts. I just, five years, like I said, after the first, I mean, after the first year something goes wrong you're four Something years out. and dealing with the university of maryland as as the referee you know i would assume that i'd rather have a clause to say for any given reason i don't like the color of your trucks we can fire you so but you're saying no um I okay i mean i'm just let me let me put the question backwards if, if it to to their disadvantage they had misestimated because of inflation or something would they be can can we hold their feet to the fire once they sign the contract, it's written in the contract the amount per year. So as you broke it down, it was five percent and three percent. Yes or no? Yeah. Yes, we hold them to the okay. price that we had guaranteed. But they, but they have an inflationary clause in there. I mean, uh, it looks like year year four and five it goes yeah. it goes up. Yeah. So they've got, and at least the escalation isn't on the front end. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I believe this is the same company that's been doing the maintenance down there for the last five-year contract, and I think they've done it. Yeah, they originally, the first year that we ever contracted out the grounds, I guess has been 14, 15 years ago. They were the first company we brought in. We did a one-year as a trial to see how it would go with the contract company, and they got the bid. And then we bid it out, I think, a three-year term. And uh, I think we tried another company. It was fair, and then we've done. Now this will be the second five-year that we've done with Growing Solutions. So. Oh, okay. <coughs> Fair 
but then again, so if they've already if they already have the equipment and they've already had the job for for five years, uh, it's not like that's a. It, they know what they're doing. Others, they they already have the equipment, right. so. But you also have to renew your leases and upgrade your equipment. Mm -hmm. They turn their equipment over much faster than we turn our equipment over. <laughs> just a little bit. Really? <laughs> really? Well, just in case you didn't know. <laughs> now you've done it, Phil. That <laughs> must, it must be weekly. <laughs> I think they factor in costs. Really? They up. turn it over more than you do? <laughs> We're going to have to check the books on that. <laughs> I guess they factor in the cost of inflation and, and staffing, fuel prices, retention, um, equipment. Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, All right. Well, you know, if they, they did a great job for five years, it's not broken, don't fix it. Are you happy with them overall? I mean, are they? Yeah, I think they're doing a great job. So um, I think it's come a long way. I was just showing uh, Steve some of the numbers that the revenue that we've done over since 2018 to today, and it's, it's crazy. Okay, so that's the next question. You know, the golf course being an, an enterprise fund and, and, and the cost that it's going to be to bring in this outside contractor for the next five years to manage the course, you know, the numbers jive with what is earned and what it costs us to maintain it. Right. Yeah. Okay. But you, all, you know, like anything, in order for a golf course, you know, people have a certain vision of what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And you've got to have the, you know, the right professionals there to, you know, to take care of it. So... You know, that's that's money well spent. You're keeping it looking good and attractive and, you know, as, you know, Blue Heron has, you know. And they're pretty responsive to your needs and requests during that, the last five years? Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. So, it, you know, we have in the future possibly a re, rebuilding of greens. And the current superintendent has built a lot of golf courses and has a lot of knowledge of that. So he's actually looking forward to, to staying and doing that because that's what he likes to do is build golf courses and um I don't have any else. All right. All those in favor, say aye. 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 Any opposed? 5-0. Motion carries. Thank you, Eric. All right. Thanks, guys. Good All job. Right. Yep. Thanks, gentlemen. All right. Commissioners, our next item is uh, item number five on page 25 and 26. This is a support letter uh, for a project entitled History of the Shantytowns on the Kent Narrows. Uh, this is uh, written for uh, Doncella Wilson, the executive director of Mayonaries Dream Alliance for this project that can, is going to do some research and do a report on this very unique um, uh, endeavor here. So um, could I get a motion on that? Make a motion to sign the letter of support to the swords of the Chesapeake Heritage Area. Second. All right. All those in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? 5-0. Motion carries. Right. Thank you, commissioners. Item number six on pages 27 through 32 is... Uh, a request from St. Mary's County seeking our mutual support for a more favorable split of the potential opioid settlement funds between local jurisdictions and the state. I mean, right now it's set up where the state gets the lion's share, 85, we get 15. So this would kind of reverse that. So we would get the bigger uh, portion of that. And there is a, a letter in the packet there on page three. Does this letter say that the smaller jurisdictions have to then go beg to the state for money? Exactly. Right. There's exactly. another further split Pretty on much the so. state piece that you have to apply for as long as you have an abatement program. So right. it's a lot of hoops for the local jurisdictions, uh, the smaller counties and municipalities to go through. So this, this would actually reverse that. We may get some traction. It's, other states have done similar. Right. So basically, so we get the money and we don't have to go beg the state to give us money to take care of our problems. And Jim, you're familiar right. with it more with the drugs are. Um, <clears throat> it's always been an issue to try and get money out of that special fund they had there, too, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, so we don't want to get locked back up into that. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
So I make a motion to sign the letter of support to Governor Larry Hogan to revise the current distribution of opioid settlement funds to 85% local and 15% state. Second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Motion carries. Okay, thank you, commissioners. Item number seven on page 33 is a list of the county holidays for next year for your approval. I make a motion to approve the list of Queen Anne's County holidays for the year 2022. Second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? 5 0. Motion carries. All right, thank you, commissioners. Item eight on page 34 and 35. It's hard to believe, but this is our fiscal 2023 budget calendar for your. Move to approve the FY 2023 budget calendar. Second. Second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? 5 0. Motion carries. All right, thank you, commissioners. And we have one desk item, actually, two desk items. Well, first desk item, desk item number nine, is the Graysonville and Mowbray Park court work. And this is a contract award with uh, ATC, uh, American Tennis Courts, to refurbish the courts at Graysonville Park and Mowbray Park. Can I get a motion on that, please? I move to authorize Department of Parks and Recreation to contract ATC Corp to refurbish courts at Graysonville and Mowbray Park in the amount of $375,486. Second. Got a motion to second by Commissioner Wilson. Yeah, real quick, if you don't mind, Steve, just, just for the folks that are uh, watching, um, just a brief description of this project and what you're going to do. Okay. Um, basically, for, for both of those sites, um, we're going to completely redo the fencing, redo the asphalt, color coding, lining. Um, it'll, you know, we'll mill down the old, um, old asphalt that's on there. Um, Mowbray will have, um, again, the three tennis courts, and then we'll put two pickleball courts on each side, so we'll have a total of six pickleball courts there. Graysonville will have one singular tennis court with a, um, a pickleball overlay. The next, um, I'm going to call it a bay, the next bay over will be uh, two pickleball courts. And then the third bay over will be a basketball court. And again, that will be all new fencing, new asphalt, new striping, lining, color coding, the whole nine yards. It'll look brand new. Very good. Thank you very much. All right. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? 5-0. The motion carries. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Director Chanley. All right, commissioners, that's all the action items we had for this evening. We can move into our presentations, and we're just about back on schedule. So I think we have um, uh, Director Kathy Willis and Mike Clark, Chief of Housing, for a special presentation from their update today. Thank you. Welcome. That's a challenge. Good evening. Good evening. How are you? Good. Um, uh, Mike and I are here tonight to do our um, update and we wanted to share just a few highlights with you uh, this time on what's been going on um, in the Department of Community Services and I just wanted to start with um, a thank you that uh, July 1st began our FY22 budgeting year approving a new position in the Area Agency on Aging um, and it is with great pleasure that I can announce the promotion of Ann Sparks, who is here with me tonight. She can wait. <laughs> um, 
as the Chief of Aging and Transportation. Annie brings a, a wealth of knowledge, has been with us for nine years and has over 10 years experience in supervision. Um, she's very familiar with, uh, closely with two of the divisions of aging already and just gets to tackle learning the uh, transportation division, which she has my transit administrator, Maynard Nash, right behind her to help her show, show the ropes. So um, we are very much looking forward to this. And for those of you who don't know, um, this position will actually replace a position that I held in 2006 um, as the, did I do that right? 2006 as the director, a sole director of aging. In 2011, um, with the re recession and the reorganization of the county, we went from 12 county agencies down to five. And that's when Mike and I joined forces and I became the director of community services. So to say this is long overdue, it's just a tad bit, but we're really excited. So now I can work with Mike more and learn more about being the director of actual community services as opposed to the daily management of, of the aging department itself. So um, looking very forward to that. Um, her first effective day will be tomorrow. Um, but of course, since she's a, an internal promotion, she will be filling her position first as a senior center administrator, which just posted today. So we're excited to be looking for a new administrator for that division. Um, and then we have uh, an update on, on Mike's programs for the critical workforce. Yes, um, we have uh, just one of the, as, as you all are very much aware, we've got a lot of money from COVID. Uh, COVID, so one of the specific ones that came through the Division of Housing and Community Services was Emergency Rental Assistance Program. And uh, we got one of the biggest awards that I've ever, since I've been in the housing office, received. We're used to getting maybe, we're lucky if we got $120,000 to help people avoid eviction this, this year through, uh, I think, September of next year, we got $1.6 million. Um, I got to tell you, that was huge. I mean, my eyes go large, and we've told we're going to be getting more in another round potentially. Um, I said, how are we ever going to spend that? But so far, we've already spent about um, six million of it. Uh, we've supported actually 101 families, keeping them from possible eviction. Wait a minute, um, you got 1.6 million. 600,000. I was going to say, 6 million on 100 families. Yeah. What did I say? How six much? Million. Six Sign million. Sign me up. Yeah. He was shooting high. Sorry. That's government Thank you. Out there. So we've <laughs> yeah. spent about 600,000 of it so far, excuse me, and uh, for about 100 families through uh, the end of October. Uh, we also have money for um, utility assistance, which we spent not quite as much, about 25000 doing that. And we also have a piece in there on, um, for legal support and legal aid, which um, we've actually taken some constituents you've referred and used some of that money to help with that. But I also want to, uh, and that's, that's pretty much the overview on that, but I also want to emphasize, though, that while we're working real hard to support the, the tenants to keep eviction, we're also really working to do our best to support the landlords. Um, this, the whole purpose of this is not just to help the tenants. We want to keep them housed, but, you know, as, as you all know probably better than most, is that it's, they're small business owners, and this is their investment or this is their income, and, and we're doing our best to try to make sure that the funding is getting to them quickly and, and as much as possible. There's always a little bit of issues going on, but we, we hope that the landlords are feeling the respect also from, from the program. So that's, 
that's kind of the, the big points. And, and the way we do that is by listening, by paying attention, by responding to them, and also by trying to, once the, once the referrals come in, to get the payments out very quickly, um, within hopefully two weeks after we have a full application. And not only are we working hard on that in our office, but the folks in finance are, are extremely helpful in making that happen. So, so Mike, are there caps on that, how that works? Or is it based on income caps? You know, because obviously I can't see us supporting somebody with a $6,000 a month mortgage so they don't get evicted, things like that. I mean, is there, is it done based on income? It is less? done, it's done based on income, but the limits are a lot higher or much more higher than, than typical. So we can do anywhere from 80% of median income. So to put that in perspective, if you take a family of four, they could be making up to $79,900 currently for a family of four. It varies on family size, et cetera. But for a family that's got a full income of $79,900, we could typically, we can help them. Um, so, which is, is typically higher than what we, where we go. But is there a cap on the rent that we pay for them? The cap on the rent that we pay for them is we can pay up to 12 months of overdue rent going as far back as thir uh, March 13th. We can pay up to 12 months of overdue utilities and we can pay up to three months into the future. But there is no amount that we're aware of that, that we have to stop at. It's more of a time thing. It's, it's like nothing I've wow. ever seen, mm -hmm. quite frankly. <laughs> like $300 every week for free kind of deal? Well, it takes you, it potentially, they've got, to, they've got to prove that it's affected by COVID and, and things like that, but those, even those thresholds aren't, the, the tests aren't that strict. I mean, does it have a sunset on it at all right now? I know you're saying three months past, but does it have any immediate sunset or one that's in the um, program? Well, the grant runs well, out. Well, the grant runs out in, in, as a, as September of tw next year. But there's rumors that there's more money behind it in the next administration or the current administration funding. And, and I think it's important too, Mike, to mention that, that the rents that are being paid uh, as assistance or aid for these folks, so they're not evicted, the payments are going right to the property owner, the landlords. That, that right? is and actually, the answer is yes, but no, because they are going directly to the landlords. In our county, we are doing that 99.9% .9 of the time. And before we got this money, 100%, but this money from the feds actually allows us to pay the tenant directly, which is very scary. But in our office, under unless it's very special circumstance, we always pay the landlord directly. Very good. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. And I skipped right over. I said critical workforce and went right to you. But um, <laughs> I wanted to to just to thank the Department of Human Resources. And I was very excited earlier when I heard the part-time position goes to a full-time position there, because they have been working their tails off literally for us. Um, because our struggle with getting employees on, um, our vacancy. Um, especially in the transportation division. Um, we had been floating along with five full-time vacancies. And when you put one or two people either on vacation or on FMLA or out sick, um, it has been a tremendous challenge to meet the needs of the, of the transportation program and just giving the people the rides they need, um, covering our, our routes, doing everything. Um, we just went through the second round of interviews, the first round did not, did not produce, so to speak. Um, our greater challenge is the CDL driver, of course, but CDL shortage is a nationwide issue. 
Um, we have altered positions and turned many into non-CDL bus drivers. That Any that we can, we have done so. The newer fleet that we have coming, if it ever gets here, please come soon. Um, we're buying smaller buses so that we don't have to have the CDL license to drive it. So um, our plan is, is to increase, try to increase the applicant pool. And we did so by you allowing the critical workforce plan for employees. We did increase the um, grade and salary of the bus drivers, which we, ho we hoped helped the second round. Um, we hope it'll continue to help. And, and this is gonna be the future of the county overall for us to be a competitive market to get employees on our workforce and to maintain them. So we just wanted to thank HR and thank you for approving that for them. So. Um, so in the past, Kathy, did you have trouble getting drivers? Has this always been an ongoing problem? Or is this, do, you, do you think this is a COVID-related problem with people not wanting to come back to work, that kind of thing? What, I mean. Transit is a, is a kind of a vicious cyclical program, if I put that correctly. Um, we always have a challenge getting people on, um, especially in, in transportation. It has been a challenge. Over my years, and that's a long time being here, We've altered the program itself where years ago we had, when I first started 27 years ago, we had all full-time drivers and we had good drivers and you kept them. And eventually because of, of, of you know, their longevity, they ended up costing a really lot of money when you look at it, um, when times were good. So we, we altered say 10 years ago and we went to part-time. Too. We did a mix. Um, part times you can't keep. You, you just can't hold on to them. Um, so that made it a challenge. We even made their rate higher, you know, just for a part time contractual position. We've tried every model. We're moving back to we're back to full time drivers because they're more they're more maintainable. Um, and then we have a couple, just just three now, floating contractual workers. But those contractual workers, I have to have CDLs because they're gonna fill in, they may fill in for any route, any bus driver that's off, so I can't take the chance to have a non-CDL. Those three positions have been vacant for months, six months, something. So it's, um, it, it is tough, it is tough. In this last pool, Maynard's just hired four full-time drivers and we could only squeeze one CDL, so. Mm -hmm. Once we get these in place, because HR is so backed up too, it's, it's once we get these guys in place, then we're gonna work on trying to advertise for the CDL contractual part-timers because we really need that backup. You know, if somebody calls out, it's not like, I mean, no offense to even Mike and myself, I'll pick on us, we're at a desk. We're, we're, we're doing all kinds of things and we can keep doing them, but we're not driving a bus. When you're driving a bus, if, if somebody calls out, I have to have somebody else to fill it. So those three contractual positions are, are crucial to keep us running. So um, we're hoping to go in a positive direction. We made it through this second round, so, um, and having that, that full staff in there is just, you know, phenomenal because we've, we've ended up turning people down. We went from a, a two-day window to reserve a trip to a two-week window to reserve a door-to-door -door medical trip. And that's that's not the way we want to operate. So we'll be very happy to be full staffed again.
So thank you for asking. Um, and I would be amiss before I get into the really fun part, which is really quick, but I would be amiss if I didn't mention, um, I come in here and, and we like, we highlight the good and the bad, the good, bad, and the ugly here, you know, so, um, and I have to say for the past two months, one of my duties as, as director, as director of aging, um, all these years is to be a guardian for wards of the state, which are individual seniors over 65 who have no family, no one else to take care of them. And they're deemed incompetent. They're not able to make decisions for themselves. Um, and plenty of people have already been through and dug through, is there family, is there someone, is there anyone? And it just, it, sometimes it ends up with us. We have always had a history of having very few of these individuals, which is wonderful. Um, probably means we don't, we're not aware of all the people that need it, but you go to Baltimore City and they have over 300 guardian clients. Right now I have three, um, which is high for us right now. But I've spent the last month dealing with two in particular in and out of hospitals. Um, I've had one go from a nursing home to a hospital to hospice and now maybe back to a nursing home. I have another one who, you know, went to the hospital and I'm, I'm talking to doctors, I'm talking to discharge planners, nurses, the people taking care of them constantly. You know, they called me at eight o'clock last night, the doctor from the facility to give me a diagnosis on this person. And what do we do with them and this and that. And I'm just, it's, it's an unreal, position to be in. It is like taking care of your parent. That's how I treat it. They're mine. But I don't know them and they don't know me. We learn about them through their families or through, not their families, they don't have families. We learn about them from the histories that's been maintained. One of them, I've, I've learned more about him because of his attorney, who's the proper guardian of property. Um, I just have to say that, and some of the work, the work that our staff does um, for these folks it's phenomenal, but it's stressful. It's hard. It's tough. You know, you're making decisions. I sat in court last month. Um, you know, thanks to the help of Patrick and his staff, they um, they really help us represent these individuals. So I just today was a tough day with one of them. So it um, these are humans, and they deserve all that they can get. So um, we're glad that we get to keep doing that. So. Now on to the fun part. The Department of Aging was established in 1981. So we had our 40th anniversary celebration, which you all enjoyed with us, uh, that fortunately happened because we went to the, through the Commission on Aging Senior Center tour that um, they love to hold and they appreciate very much your participation in them. It shows your commitment and your dedication to the department to the staff and to the seniors who participate in all of our programs. So for those that are fortunate enough to have their health and their enjoyment of socialization, this is the place to be. So on our um, open house, I just thought I would share a few fun, fun things for the day. And this was one of our stops at Graysonville and I was appreciative of them uh, doing the sign with us. And they did a lot of work on 40 years of awesome, better with age. So, oops, here we go. Um, so here's one of the things. And our senior center manager, Ann Martin, did a lot of work on this. And I thought it was fun. You know, the kids today are all into selfies and, 
and taking pictures and everything. So <laughs> that turned out fun. Um, and the, the seniors that see you there Old and doing that, that, that means the work. Oh, go back, go oh, back. Go back. Go back. Wait a minute. There you go. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> One of the residents. That's <laughs> they were going to keep him. That was, that, that was the commissioner's contribution to the 40th anniversary. He was very busy talking to, to the seniors while you all were, we were playing with the right. pictures. At first. So he was later getting his picture, but we didn't let him get away. So. Um, and then in one of the centers, the seniors played bingo. Um, they were very active. And in each center that day on our tour, we had um, a table set up with all of the information that the department has to offer, including transportation, um, all of the in-home services that we do and everything. So, um, Just real quick, if you go back to the bingo slide. Um, so the um, so when they play bingo, they they actually get to go to a table and pick a prize if they if their bingo card is the winning bingo card. They get to go to a table and, and pick out something that is useful to them, a household item, whether it be toilet paper or paper towels or soap or shampoo or any of that kind of stuff. Is there is there a program that maybe we can? boost right now while we have people here listening and, and, and attending the meeting that if they want to make donations to some household items and things that are new okay well let me defer can... to Annie for just a second to ask the senior center does the site council or do we pay for those prizes the bingo prizes basically the bingo program itself pays for the prizes okay. um, some of the seniors do donate things if they're new unopened <laughs> okay, so so my question is, can, can sure. citizens, is there a place where citizens can drop off some items that if, if someone's bingo card is a win, they can go to the table and pick something off? You could go to any senior center or to the main department over here and, and drop, drop some off items off as long as it's new. And I know it's a busy time with Thanksgiving and Christmas coming, but... Um, and we do, we do a lot of baskets and things with the churches for individuals, but... Sure, if you wanted to donate to the bingo program itself, we'd, we'd gladly accept. So a box of things that you want to contribute to the bingo pro program and write bingo on it? Yep. And you guys will make sure it gets to the senior center? Absolutely. Okay, great. Thank you. <clears throat> now I have to try to get back to where it was. Okay. Finally, oh Pickett and Grinnin. Um, Pickett and Grinnin has been around for a very long time. Pickin' and Grinnin', the name, is actually a band that plays good old-fashioned country music um, that goes to the Southersville Senior Center every Thursday night and has about 80, average 80 participants every week. Um, they volunteer. They, they bring, usually they, they can get snacks or sodas or something from the the um, senior center. We have we have an aide that goes there and opens and closes the building. Um, years ago, I didn't have those aides or those senior center assistants that could help us do that, so we closed down. This is how demanding Pickin' and Grinnin' was because we tried to shut it down one time. <laughs> that Total right. Well. <laughs> Total right. And now that you guys have all been there, you see why. It, <laughs> it can't be shut down. It's so worthwhile. The people there have a fantastic time. It's, it's a healthy event. It's a good event. Um, we really enjoy it. So they were so super appreciative to have be able to enjoy your catered meal of Adam's ribs on October 21st. 
And not only did you serve it, um, pay for it, do all that, you also got there and you looked me square in the eyes and said, what's for dessert? And I was like, I'm not sure. So thanks to um, Commissioner Moran and Commissioner Duminell, they rode up the street to um, our local Parkside Deli and bought every pie and every cake they had. Um, and then came back and we all cut it and sliced it and put it on plates and served everybody dessert. So yeah, actually, I will. Uh, uh, Commissioner Moran paid for all of it. That's all good. Commissioner Moran paid. Thank for you all very much. A lot of pies. I was there. I was, I was there to carry everything in. <laughs> it was a team effort. No pie That's left at the end of the night either. No. No. One piece of pie. Yeah. But the financial credit certainly goes to Commissioner Moran. I just wanted to highlight that night. Um, now, in this picture, I apologize. Phil's not in it because he was he was running around trying to make a grand entrance. I don't know whether he was oh, going to yeah. fly or what he was going to do. But you can see they were they were following the guidelines of food safety. They had their gloves on, um, and they just everybody had a grand time. It was wonderful. Here is proof of the pies. They even gave them their own container from Parkside, which. <laughs> Was returned. Yes. Which was returned okay. with the milk crates, everything. Their so, request. so we not only enjoyed the event, we stimulated the economy from Ken Island to Southersville that night. <laughs> uh, this was preparing of the sauces. You can see the the hands-on action in the kitchen. And I'm supervising in the back. You yes. Can see. Yes. It was very helpful. Um, from the dining room perspective, this is this is what the folks got to get up and get to. I had a few staff there that were helping us. Um, in the background, you'll see Annie on the right, smiling as always. <laughs> and then we go on. Now Phil's really excited. It's here. like Phil's looking in the mirror. I got to meet. Got to meet your idol. I got to meet my idol. That's it. <laughs> yep. That, that's that, that's Elvis. And the inflatable yes. Phil. Yes. <laughs> and then this is the group. It shows you the size of the event. Um, a lot of people there, they were so excited. And some people came that have never come before because they heard you were bringing food. So that was, that was an extra plus. Now, this is a special picture because our esteemed county administrator, when we realized it was getting really hot in the kitchen, uh-oh, we have a problem. Now, usually Southersville's uh, HVA system is freezing and everybody has sweaters and they are cold. But that night it decided to quit. So um, our, our top chief engineer of all times started working on that and fortunately called, um, called his uh, protégés and we had a nice young man come out and spend his only evening that he had at home fixing our air conditioning for us. So we thank you, Todd, also. And then this is proof yeah. that they wash dishes. Job and I done. thought this was very important. I also so. supervised that as well. Yes. Yes, we Actually, you were the one in the bottom there. We were probably giving you, you know, <laughs> put his head under the water. Dub. <laughs> and dancing. So one of the final events of the night is Phil and Jack um, very, very kindly got out there and danced with folks. Um, and had a good time. Now, I'm pretty sure Jim refused. Yeah. Couldn't find Todd. I'm not sure where the rest of you were, but um, they were just I know thrilled. <laughs> they were thrilled. I step on a senior citizen's toes, they're going to know about it for months to come, so I, no, not a good idea. That's the end. So I just want to thank you. Wanted to say that thank you for letting me get proof and share it with the world. Uh, it means everything to us. And as always, your presence and support 
is important not only to this department but to the staff and to the participants. But if you want to give a plug while we're here, because we can't leave out the other two. Oh yes, I yeah. had that in there. Sorry. The next two coming up because we can't leave anyone out. Right. That was for Southersville, um, December 1st. We will be going to Ken Island Senior Center and doing Adams Ribs is there as well. And then you graciously offered to take over the dinner for the holiday gala, which is December 17th at the Graysonville Senior Center. And we're having Italian night. Very good Italian. Yes. And where is that from? Avanti's. Avanti's. Yes. Perfect. Thank you very much. That was a recommendation. And, um, and they're very excited. So we're looking forward to it again. Excellent. So. Bada bing. Thank you. Good job, you two. Thank you. Thank you both. <clears throat> Excellent. Okay, commissioners, our next uh, present presentation is uh, Ms. Kelly Huber, Character Counts. Mm -hmm. And there is a two proclamations under two tab six the anniversary. Give one uh, for Character Counts, so come on up. Tab six, page 21 and 22. Mm -hmm. We can go to the bathroom break now. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Okay. All right. Hey, Margie, you need calendar invites for both senior centers. Put mine in now. Welcome, welcome. Hello, thank you for having us. Thank you, brother. Okay, all right. So we have quite a few people here today. So um, anyway, Kelly Huber, Character Counts. We've got um, some of, several of our advisory members here. We've got Susan Coppage, Wayne Humphreys. We've got Mike Clark. We've got Martha Anthony. Um, we've got a special guest here from the auxiliary um, from the American Legion. Um, they were actually the ones that wrote the proclamation for this month. And you might have heard some commotion out there. We've got a bunch of special guests for you um, that you'll, we'll share with you later. Um, but anyway, as far as character counts, um, I don't know, have you guys heard the great news? Your anniversary? We have our anniversary, but we're also back in the schools. Oh, yes. Yay! Yay! Yes. So as of November 1st, yes. um, we, Dr. Salins called and we got the go-ahead to put our coaches back in the school. So, um, you know, before this, we were active for the last year and a half, but it was all different. You know, it was all virtual. Our coaches were virtual. The kids were virtual. The teachers were virtual. Everything was virtual, but we're back in the schools. Um, our volunteers have been rushing to go through training. We had, I had, I think my first coach do a lesson yesterday. So um, it's, it's a good feeling and very excited. Um, we have a mix of returning coaches. We have new coaches. I have um, student coaches. I went up to Ken Island High School. I trained 13 students up there who will be starting in the different schools. Um, I have next Thursday, I will be working with Queen Anne's County High School and training students there to be student coaches here in the Queen, uh, Centerville area. So how are you, re how you recruiting those students at, at these National Honor Society members? The ones or? on Ken Island, our National Honor Society, the ones at Queen Anne's County, I worked with Lynn um, when she was at the middle school. And she's a firm believer in thinking that, yes, they have to have decent grades, 
but they're not always the leaders. So she handpicks oh, wow. and she asks um, the different students. And so we will go, I will go on Thursday and we'll get them trained and we'll get them volunteer trained at the schools and we'll get them in classrooms as well. So very exciting, lots of things happening. Um, I have, you know, in the past week, I went from zero to 50 coaches. So pretty exciting. I, I have 50 more to go. So if anyone wants to be a coach again, we're looking for coaches. If, you know, um, definitely, if you know someone who would be a good coach, a good role model, we'd love to have them too. So that being said, um, we have our November pillar, which is citizenship. And we have uh, Margaret here from the American Legion, the Auxiliary of the American Legion. And would you like to say anything about your group? Um, just that our, our goal is to support the American Legion, to support veterans, um, active duty military, their families, the communities they live in. So whatever we can do to support them, we do. All right, so thank you. So we have a proclamation for citizenship. You want to do 21st? You want the 21st anniversary first, or you want citizenship first? Citizenship. Yeah, I got that one then. Proclamation 2164, Pillar of the Month for November 2021, Citizenship. Whereas Queen Anne's County was declared a character counts community, and whereas all citizens are called upon to embrace the six pillars of character, incorporating and modeling their traits in their daily activities, and whereas the month of November focuses on the pillar of citizenship and the cornerstone of character counts, it is the six, <clears throat> is the six pillars of character, trustworthiness, respect, responsibility, fairness, caring, and citizenship. These pillars serve as a platform for teaching values and behaviors associated with good character. And whereas the purpose of the American Legion Auxiliary is to promote patriotism and responsible citizenship and to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States of America, maintain law and order, and to safeguard the principles of justice, freedom, and democracy, and to promote peace and goodwill on earth. And whereas the Auxiliary has a very definite objective in emphasizing through the Americanism program the teachings of good citizenship and will foster and perpetuate all matters pertaining to the flag and patriotic education so that every citizen should have a thorough knowledge and understanding of the Constitution of the United States known as Americanism activities. Whereas the auxiliary always strives to activate Americanism in the home, in the unit, in youth groups and schools, in adult groups and in our community, must be able to answer what kind of an American am I, take an interest in our country's affairs, express our belief and our love for America in our words and deeds, inspire children and young people in our homes and schools to develop fine character, high ideals, and a sincere appreciation for our heritage. Be tolerant in thought and deeds towards others. Vote intelligently after careful study of candidates and issues. P proudly fly our nation's flag in front of your home. And whereas the security of America lies in citizens whose mind and heart is ingrained a true understanding and love for those ideals and principles upon which the nation was founded, and who awake to the duties of citizenship and are willing to perform these duties even at the cost of great personal sacrifice. The Auxiliary strives to preserve the memories and incidents of our associations in all wars and to create a sense of individual obligation to the community, state, and nation. And whereas all citizens understand the processes that create and maintain the laws and honor the value of volunteering within their communities to help others. And therefore, in the spirit of service, not self, the Auxiliary of the Centerville American Legion encourages citizens to realize that the performance of even one good act can positively affect an entire community. Now, therefore, the Queen Anne's County Commissioners do hereby designate the Character Counts Pillar of the Month for November to be citizenship. Written by the Auxiliary of the Centerville American Legion. De well Jefferson done. David Thank you. Well done. Thank you very good much. Good job. Thank you. Well done.
So on to our next milestone. We have today is our 21st anniversary. You know, last year we were celebrating our 20th, and so another year passes and we're on to 21. So like someone said, we're legal now. <laughs> so, so Wayne, you want to share a little I, bit about I, I just want to, uh, reflecting on this evening and what to say to, tonight, uh, I, I just can't comprehend the amount of support that the citizens of Queen Anne's County have given this initiative. Uh, we were out in the uh, outside the area here and looking at the young children coming in, and it's just as fresh, I think, in many ways today as it's ever been, and it's uh, it's just it's just so exciting to see that. Uh, something we've been uh, working on and devoting a lot of time and energy to for 21 years has still got uh, a place in so many people's hearts. And Wayne, have you been involved all 21 years? Yeah. Kudos to you. So, Kudos to you. I'm humbled just to see what, uh, how successful the initiative has been. It, uh, it started with uh, 125 citizens here in Queen Anne's County getting together and trying to figure out uh, what they wanted to do to try to make Queen Anne's County a better place to live and to, to have children grow up in and for businesses to thrive. And um, this was one of two of the top, uh, of, of, they had about 30 things they thought of, but the top two after they all voted was the, uh, the character counts, some kind of a character counts initiative and the good after school programs. And um, we've really, uh, We've been just so blessed to have so many character counts, uh, directors, and uh, it, it, um, it's just been a wonderful experience. In some way or another, I was, was talking with Kelly, and uh, in some way or another, I guess about 150,000 students, a lot of that's probably duplicated, but if you think about over 7,500 students a year through the school system, uh, 21 years, you get a number of well over 100,000 students that have had either classroom experiences or experiences in the schools where they display the six pillars. So they, uh, it's just, uh, and over a thousand people have come forward to cope. And uh, the commissioners have always been so warm and welcoming, and I really appreciate that because I think the leadership that you all provide filters down through the through the community so thank you Margie thank you Todd uh, I could go on and on but uh, it's just been uh, just very rewarding and that and speaking of rewarding we have a, a special experience for you tonight we have uh, Carrie Ann Coppage who's brought her second grade she must brought the whole second grade <laughs> <laughs> and their parents with them tonight to uh, to just share uh, a a welcoming back to, uh, to to the school system and just a, a way of uh, <coughs> again, if you have just a few minutes. You can read the this. proclamation first for that one, or when they. Um, why don't you want to do the proclamation? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. That would probably be best. Okay. Um, so I think it's appropriate that that I get to read this because I actually, in my first term, uh, was a characters counts coach and and. Uh, excited to know that the characters counts coaches are back in the school system because for me um, that was the best part 
it was being in the in the classrooms with the kids and and, and kind of you know breaking up their day a little bit you know with uh, a stranger from the outside um, and so uh, and then you think about how many kids have graduated and moved on you know to start their own lives and were impacted by these six pillars and how year after year after year in the schools they were taught the importance of living by these six pillars and part of the reason why we have such great kids and sometimes I have to remind my own kids of those six pillars <laughs> and they're grown up so uh, 21st anniversary proclamation of the Queen Anne's County character counts whereas more than two decades ago the people of Queen Anne's County recognized the importance of positive character traits in the people and encourage one another to incorporate these values into their daily lives and whereas Queen Anne's County was officially declared a Characters Counts community by the County Commissioners in November of the year 2000. And whereas Character Counts encouraged all citizens to model the invaluable traits of the six pillars which include trustworthiness, respect, responsibility, fairness, caring, and citizenship, <coughs> and an ongoing commitment to promote character development and ethical behavior in our children throughout our community. And whereas during these past 21 years, more than 1,100 volunteer Characters Counts coaches have delivered over 90,000 Character Counts experiences to our children, and over 80 local businesses have participated in Character Counts initiative as businesses of character. And whereas Character Counts has built great partnerships in the public school system with county commissioners and agencies, nonprofits, child and family care organizations as well as elsewhere in the community with the help of these partners and the media the message of character counts is widespread throughout Queen Anne's County and whereas county whereas character counts pers uh, persevered and continues to flourish despite the unprecedented national emergency created by COVID-19 virus the citizens of Queen Anne's County continue to see value and the spirit of character counts working in so many ways during the challenging times, proving that good character is essential. And whereas through Characters Counts, our community has been and will continue to promote the goals of Queen Anne's Car County Character Counts Advisory Council to strengthen personal character traits, build families of character, and create a more cohesive community of character. And now therefore, the Queen Anne's County Commissioners do hereby recognize and invite our citizens to celebrate the 21st anniversary of Character Counts here in Queen Anne's County. And it is honored to hand this to you. Job well done. And along with Carrie Ann Coppage and her children, we also have Teresa Farnell and possibly um, Dr. Salins. So we'll see. <laughs> Door number one. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, no, but what we're going to do is I think, I think they want to do it. Presenting. Presenting. They're the last thing I'll be doing. Presenting. That's the motion page, Chris. You need the agenda. I'll look at the presentations and then see it.
Hello. Hello, hello. Oh. Thanks for having us today. You guys ready to sing for them? Yes. Adam's family, though, so it's all good. Yeah. You gonna sing? Yes. All right. Let's go. Let's wrap it up. See you all. See ya. Ocean. <laughs> Ocean to adjourn if Troy's gonna sing. <laughs> okay, commissioners, our uh, final presentation this evening is Mr. Troy Wilkins, president of the Queen Anne's County Watermen's Association. I'd like to invite him on up, and I think he may have a few uh, guests with him. Yes. You know? Okay, come on up, Troy. Yeah. Come on, Dave. Yes. Sit up here. Yeah. It's Troy, are they singing with you, or are you singing by yourself? I'll be singing You'll be singing by, by yourself. Right. I'm singing he's lip singing, I'll tell you. <laughs> called acapella. <laughs> that what you call it? That's what they call it. Well, I don't know what you're going to call it, but we we'll, let's listen to it. I'll just stick with just maybe the singing and all that. <laughs> all right. Um, thanks for having us here. Um, yeah, we, thank you. Yes, we really, really appreciate your support. We, uh, it's, it's just been a, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. For us to go to work, it's, it's kind of ridiculous that a person has to fight to keep his job. You know, you want to go to work, but you got to fight to keep your job. So we really appreciate all the support that you give us. 
means a lot. Other, um, I am the chairman of the state shell committee for Queen Anne's County, so I am in pretty much constant contact with other people in my same position around the state, and you guys by far give a lot of support more than other commissioners around the state. So, you know, we really appreciate Really appreciate We appreciate what you guys do, believe me. Mm -hmm. Well. And gals, sorry. Yeah, the gals are. Gals and gals. <laughs> you know how the gals They all do all the work at the crime. Yeah, they do all the work. They just come up here and talk. Um, so I guess like a highlight of the year, I guess, as far as like the fisheries. Um, from people that I've talked to, like the crab, crabs this year, um, I uh, talked to Jason at Harrison's before I got here. Crabs, he thought, was um, a little bit below average, but the price was up on them, so, you know, kind of made, made up the difference. So, um, um, I, uh, if you all don't know, we have a, um, a fairly significant um, head boat fleet. Um, the African Americans have that, and um, it's, it, from what I've been told by the Coast Guard, it's the it's one of the or the largest fleet on the coast of black captains that have in the commercial fishery right here in Queen Anne's County. Um, so I talked to one or two of those guys before I got here. They thought, you know, about average for them also. So it seems like everything pretty much pulling about par, you know, what we would expect. Um, what about oysters? Oysters. <laughs> oh boy! Here we go. This, that's why I try to get the easy stuff out of the way first. The oysters in in Queen Anne's County right now. Oysters. Well, <coughs> last year the season was cut short with the COVID. It was completely, you know, when when everything closed up, we were shut down too. Like the last month, month and a half or something like that. Um, this year in Queen Anne's County, oystering is slow, way slow. Um, the farther south you go, more abundance by far. Why, and why is that, Troy? Why why are the oysters more abundant further south you go? Um, I think Captain Newberry is going to get into okay. some we of the. We want to steal his thunder then. Yeah, from the Conowingo, uh, I think has a lot to do with it. Um, one of our major areas, the Chester River, is closed to harvest. Um, how, I mean, it's hard for me to explain this, but it's closed because it's overfished. But we're not allowed to fish there to start with. And haven't been fishing. And haven't been fishing. But it's how, overfished. How long, how long has it been, how long is it been for? Yeah, three or four years. Three or four we years. can actually, but we, um, some of our, I got some numbers for you, some plannings that we've done um, with the Rural County Coalition and all. We've been, um, um, been able to do it in the Chester River. The secretary has assured us that the areas that we plant, um, say like 10 acres, we can open those individual areas. And, and I think this year we're in the process, uh, or soon to be in the process of opening some of the areas that we have been planning in the last <coughs> probably four years ago. They'll be of size, you know, so that's hopefully going to happen here uh, soon. But in the lower bay, the amount of oysters that we have is, is, is good. So are you finding you guys are finding yourselves having to go south to yes. get anything? Yes. 
So, which is additional food costs and, I mean, yeah. fuel costs and, and maintenance on, on your boats. It'd be nice if you'd be able to, to harvest <clears throat> how they're harvesting down there further up here. You wouldn't have to travel as much. Sure. Right. Sure. And the other problem is the further south you go, there's a very <coughs> limited amount of, of, of marinas. So it's really hard to find a place to tie a boat at down there. So, uh, you know, how much, how much from a business standpoint, how much does it increase your cost to have to go down and back? Go 30, south. 30 percent. OK. 30, so you're talking about job and a business people are going to understand that if anybody 30 had a 30 percent increase in your costs. Because, yeah, you know, we're going to be knocking on four dollar gallon fuel here in a couple of weeks. You know, a lot of people don't realize that the, uh, the fuel, they said fuel costs are going to increase 50 percent by <coughs> the 25th of December. So, you know, we're looking at $4, you know, but the problem is, is the price of our oysters. They're here where they should be here. And it's kind of going, eh, 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 just not. And who controls that? Uh, the, the buyers. Control. They just say this is all we're going to pay? Well, specifically one buyer. Yeah. You know, one buyer down in Virginia basically controls the whole market, and that's Mr. Bevins. And uh, they're paying 45 down there. We're getting 35 and 37 up here. And it's because of the cost of logistics to get the product down there. So, and the other problem we have here is um, the limited amount of uh, migrant workers to to process the oysters. You know that that's come from Jason himself. You know he he could handle more, and you'd probably get maybe some more money. But if you can't get them out of shop, <coughs> they're not doing anybody any good. Jason Ruth is the largest shucking house on the eastern shore in the state well yeah in the state really yeah in the state and considering that ken island back 30 years ago had about 20 houses so i shows you what happens <laughs> so. yeah yes so uh, i guess to give to give you guys some numbers of what we what we've done this year <coughs> um most of most of our funding comes through the um, department <coughs> of transportation through a grant and I think it's for three or four more years. I think until two thousand six. Yeah. So we get around seventy five, eighty thousand from them, and it's all used for oyster replenishment. Um, we also every surcharge that's paid in Queen Anne's County, we have to pay a three hundred dollar surcharge to go oyster. Not not only your license, but you have to buy this surcharge also. That money comes back to us, and some of the. Um, when the buyers buy an oyster, they have to pay $1 tax for the shell. So we get some of that money back too. Which, by the way, has been in place since the early, right. early 50s. <coughs> so when oysters were $8 a bushel, it was a dollar tax. When they were $50 a bushel, it was a dollar tax. So and we're working with, with our state legislatures to increase it, to get up with times. But you know, unfortunately, the, the governor is um, not, you know, wanting to raise any taxes. But we're going to see what we can do. But we um, last year um, we spent uh, two hundred forty-nine thousand dollars on a spot on shell plantings in Eastern Bay and Chester River. Um, and that also includes um, the grant we have gotten from you guys. So we did that, and also. Uh, the rural legacy funds that um, came from the uh, uh, no from the rural uh, the county coalition, rural well, county yeah, coalition, rural county coalition. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, we're still we're still doing some um, 
some work with them on exactly how that's going to operate. But is this, so, what, before, wait a minute, this is the Upper Shore Regional Council, right? We're talking, not the Rural County? The what? It's the Upper Shore Regional Upper Council. Upper Shore Regional. Yes. Upper Shore Regional, oh, not okay. the Rural County. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Have, okay. I just oh, want to make sure. Yeah. Yeah, I got rural legacy forms. Is that what it's called? It's. Yes, I think yes. that's, and that's what it's called, right? Yeah. It comes from the Royal Legacy uh -huh. Fund. Yeah, it's coming through the Royal Legacy through. Fund through okay. Upper Shore Regional Council, right? Okay. Yeah. Chris is the chairman on there. That's why I was making sure we got that square so that uh, well, I got it straight there. <laughs> so that Janice didn't get on you that we're misrepresenting where <laughs> money came from. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Yeah, so, so we're, you know, we're still, we weren't able to do any planting last year because of the COVID, everything shut down. But, well, you know, we're getting it back in gear here a little bit and, and, uh, Moving on forward, and uh, the the important thing too for the past few years with the uh, COVID is that all watermen were considered uh, essential personnel. By the way, it's by the governor and by the federal government because we are directly involved in the food chain. Mm -hmm. And even with the COVID last year, um, which was amazing to me, was we went over three hundred and thirty thousand bushels of our oysters were harvested even during the COVID. So that just goes to show you how, you know, how hard these guys really worked. I mean, it's fantastic. And this year, if everything goes right, we ought to be knocking on way over that. So yeah. let me ask you a question. Um, and, and these guys have been doing it long enough to get some meals in here. It's done a long time. Is, is when they say we're overfished or whatever, historically, where are the – well, I mean, and this has got to put it in people's perspective so that they can understand yes. it. Compared to today, 20 years ago, are you harvesting more, less, the same? Well, to get to get the title right, there's there's two things in here, and this is where they a lot of these quote environmental groups play the word game. There is overfishing, and then there's overfished. If a area is overfished, for instance, if your pond is overfished, that means you go down there, you don't catch any fish. They've been overfished; they're gone. If overfishing has occurred, someone has grabbed a magical number from somewhere in space and said okay, um, we want to keep the number of fish in your pond at 200 fish. So if you're knocking around 160, 170, 190, overfishing is occurring. Is it actually occurring? Eh, it could be. But what they play the word on is, for instance, the two most productive areas in the Chesapeake, which are Tangier Sound and uh, Broad Creek, are overfished, but overfishing is not occurring. So it's they're saying that there's more coming out than the biomass can support, but then when you look at the biomass numbers, which is the amount of oysters in that ecosystem, it's not even close. And it's just a word, word play that they put out there. And so when someone tells you overfishing is occurring but the fishery is sustainable, you got to scratch your head and go, well, wait a minute, what are you saying? It's either sustainable or there is no overfishing. Which one is it? Well, you're overfishing a sustainable fishery. You know, that's like saying you're putting too many coats on a house that has too many coats of paint. It makes no sense. So it's it's just a word game. But compared to where we were 20 years ago, um, I mean, we're working less time now and catching more oysters. 20 years ago, and, and you know, Troy, we were working. Why are you working less time? Because of the abundance of oysters. The biomass has gone off the chart. We're, at, we're right now at a 40-year high on spat count with baby oysters. We're at a 40-year high since 1999. You know, since 1999, it's just, you know, they, they haven't seen numbers like this. And what happens if you don't harvest them? What happens when people grow old? I'll let Die. you say it. 
Well, it, it, and, and I was and I, and I was educated when I went out with Troy and all. We 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 seated that day in, in the East Bay there about the fact that it's a three-year cycle. And right. It's just like what you're doing with your crops. Yes. If you just you let them grow in the field, they're going to die off, and there's there's no value to them. There's right. no food value. There's no nothing. And it's the same with the oysters. You have a lot of dead areas of shell in the bay that was live oyster areas that, that are now dead because they weren't harvested. That's right. Why you're using the magic word harvest. You know, we're not raping, destroying, pilfering, pillaging, poaching. It's harvest, and a harvest means you plant and you harvest. Right. So that's what that's what we do. Right. I mean, the, the sanctuaries that that they've in Queen Anne's County, I think they took like 39 percent of our prime bottom and turned into sanctuaries, and have done zero investment in them. And they're just just it's just sitting there. The one absolutely nothing. They're retirement homes for oysters, yeah. we call them. <laughs> and then once they get to the point they're dying off, then you're losing their filtration abilities in the bay, which is a major part of cleaning Well, the one bay. of the oldest ones in the river would be, let's say, Ringgold's. Ringgold's been a sanctuary since I've been a kid. You couldn't go out there and catch a cold, let alone an oyster. So what good has it done? Nothing. So, I mean, it's just, it's just a shame. It's real shame just to let the bottom sit. And you, like we talked about the Chester River, you know, we're making investments in it every year. Every year, the state has done absolutely nothing to it. And um, some local environmental groups I've tried to work with <coughs> to see if they would, you know, give us some support to, you know, do more restoration work up there. And we get nowhere. And, and the most important thing you got to look, and this is why, you know, I do want to say Queen Anne's County, we represent, and but just introduce the guys, I'm Captain Rob Newbury, I'm Chairman of Delmarva Fisheries, and we represent Kent, Queen Anne's, Talbot, and Dorchester counties. Um, the counties that we represent, Queen Anne's County, you guys are like numero uno. I mean, it's the, the support you give the watermen. Talbot has more members and has a, a lot of income, but their commissioners down there, it's, I mean, I've been in front of them 10 times and it's just like, they're like, huh? I mean, you guys kick in, you help out and you see the investment that these guys make. And I, I just want to say on one thing in the investment, there was a study done in the Chester River from 1985 to 1999. For every dollar the watermen put in to the oysters, they received $13 in return. Now, with the cost of living and everything, for every dollar choice people invest, they get a $27.5 return. When the federal government and the state invest in these sanctuaries, and I'll give you a prime example, Chop Tank River Complex, $64.7 million. Do you know what they've got back? Zero. Not a dime, not one penny, not one cent. Has it helped the environment? We're not seeing it. We just got the sanctuary reports back. These sanctuaries that we were promised, and Troy was at the meeting, we were told, you guys will be begging and crawling on your knees for more sanctuaries. Well, guess what they've done? Nothing. So, you know, that's the problem that we're having. But you guys have been great working with Queen Anne's and, and helping them out and investing and, and seeing what it's doing. Because, you know, it is Maryland. It's a heritage. You know, you look at our state, state symbol. Mm -hmm. There's a waterman on the right and a farmer on the left. Yeah. So both harvesters. And, and it truly is a shame that, that, um, that I think the consumers that go to our restaurants and, 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 and buy the oysters and, and, <clears throat> and clams and, and crabs, 
don't always understand some of the challenges that you face, not just challenges that you bring on yourself, but uncontrollable challenges from uh, overregulation um, uh, that takes place in Annapolis yeah. I've, by I've, the uninformed. Yeah, I've been doing this will be my this will be my 35th year being an advocate for the waterman. It's our sixth year with Delmarva Fisheries, and we have really risen to the top. I mean, we're, we're doing a good job. It's to the point now where it's become a full-time position for me. And I hate to say it, I'm a fool, but, you know, I volunteer all my time. I get no money. Now, I can't think of a better person to get out there and <laughs> well, raise a little help, Captain. But, but what I'm seeing is that when I go to Annapolis, you know, and I've been through, I've worked for a good governor. I worked for Bobby Ehrlich. Um, I know, you know, Governor Hogan personally very well from the time he worked with, with Bobby Ehrlich, like uh, last year. Um, the guys asked me a question. They said, man, we need more money. We need more money. I said, well, ask the governor. Huh? What? So I put a letter together. Dear Governor Hogan, it has come to aware that we need more money for Shell. Can we put a million dollars in the supplementary budget? Two days later, I got a phone call. Got it. That's how easy it was. You don't know until you ask. But just watching over 35 years of what these guys have to fight to go through to work, if it was a farmer, and they did to the farmers what they do to these watermen every day, Annapolis would be lined with green tractors every day. That's why you got to put a scarlet letter around the people in Annapolis so when you go to restaurants and try to order seafood, you tell them no, you can't have none. Well, it's like the old saying, no farms, no food. That's true. Yeah. No watermen, no seafood. They're not bashful about coming over here and eating our seafood. Oh, no, they love the it. The people that are, that are trying to, 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 you know, work against you over there. You know, so. it's, it's certainly, it's, it's certainly, um, difficult not to take it personally. You know, a lot of the legislators that are over-regulating in Annapolis uh, aren't even Chesapeake Watershed County legislators. You hit the nail on the head there. You know? Well, you so know, they're deciding our fate and, and they really have, they don't have a horse in the race. If, if you look at what we face when we go to the, the mm -hmm. House of Delegates or we go to the Senate, and I'll give you an example in the Senate. We sit in there with Senator Pinsky, okay? between his county at PG and Montgomery County, they have 10 times the amount of representatives in the entire Eastern Shore delegation, 10 times. And when I'm sitting there listening to a person that doesn't know one side another from an oyster or a male from a female crab or a clam if he stepped on it, sitting there telling us that he wants to shut our industry down and like he did that one year, he wanted to take, if you didn't pay your oyster surcharge, you had to give it up. And, uh, I got it right here, and it, uh, it it just amazes me. And then our legislators here on the shore try to stand up for it, and it's like they're fighting a hurricane. Yeah. I mean, when I sit up in the balcony and look down on the floor, and these guys get up and they want to make a statement about the watermen of the of the eastern shore, half of the people there up go the laptops, and you look down and they're playing, you know, they're playing solitaire or looking at something on eBay or. They don't even want to hear it. Or else, you know, when they put a resolution to a, a bill, they go like this, boop, they just drop it in their trash can when they mention Waterman. And that just, that tears me up. And it's not, it's not good. I mean, my nerves can't take it anymore. But, you know, but Queen Anne's County, you guys have done a really good job, you know, with these Watermen. And they, <clears throat> they could always use more and the investment that you make with them. And, you know, hopefully we'll be able to get these nutrient credit things worked out to where we can be coming to you guys and said, hey, guys, uh, about 50 large would be good because you're going to get about 200 back in nutrient credits. 
So that's an investment that you can make with these warrants. You've been looking into that too already, haven't you? Yeah. <coughs> then they got affordable agriculture people. There's no reason why we shouldn't be, you know, doing mm -hmm. something. Yeah, no, I agree. No. That and the solar panels, Jim, Jim's hot on that. So. But Phil's got some good news for you, or hopefully so, good news for you. So, um, in response to um, Peter Francho. Oh, God, guys, before you say that, I just want to show you something here. I know they're going to see it from the back. Look at the, look at the shirt. Don't let Francho poach our heritage. <laughs> so, with that, um, so um, <coughs> we have drafted a letter um, that um, has been edited to be uh, a little softer than the original that was written. But um, understanding some of the um, comments that Peter Francho had made about establishing a moratorium on, on oysters, uh, harvesting and clams and other bivalves. So um, we decided um, to draft a letter to Peter Francho asking him to please reverse his position uh, on, on that topic. And um, and the commissioners are going to sign this letter, and we're going to forward it on to. One them. one question I had the, the copy you gave Troy, and a little typo here on the bottom. The first par first line of the last paragraph, we suggest taking a step back from the idea of pricing out mild oyster harvesting. There is a typo. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Phasing, phasing out wild oyster wild, harvesting. Wild. Yeah. Someone must have a little arthritis in their thumb because the end is so, down here. Okay, so I'll, I'll make a motion. Um, I'll make a motion to sign a letter. To sign the letter with the intent of making the. Uh, Marjorie made the correction. Yeah. yeah. Second. All in favor? Uh, Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Five zero. Motion so we'll carries. Get that, we'll get that corrected. And, and just to let you know, since this letter has come out. Um, if you read the original article, the paper called me immediately, and I, boom, let him have it. You are the only county, and I'm telling you, the only county in the state, and only politicians other than Johnny Mounts that has come out in the past 10 weeks against this, putting people out of business by the comptroller. So, thank you. Yeah, Thank you. That, that, that's in, that's we, in. Got, we got our economic development director back there. We can't do anything wrong. We can get in trouble if we do it against <laughs> yeah, we got, stuff. I, I got to give her a clue, too. She's really been a big help oh, yeah. in the, um, with the CARES Act stuff that came. She's got it ingrained in her blood a little bit. She's doing a lot now with the Christmas tree stuff. So we got that coming up, too. And, and why don't you guys give a shout out about that? With the Christmas tree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. Uh, I would, um, it's a. Uh, Oh, and just to let you know, she comes to the meetings at 7 a.m. on Sundays, too. Uh -huh. For the breakfast, she told me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're having a paint, the Christmas tree, they're having a paint a paint day. So you can come, like, paint your basket with there at the VFW. It says Graceville VFW, November 14th, Sunday, November 14th, um, 11 to 2. This Sunday. Yes. Coming and up. then. Um, so you can buy the basket, yep. and you can take it home and decorate it yourself. And then, or for an additional. Right there. Or, or you could do it right there. Sunday, you can do it right there. Or you right there. They yeah. got the paint, the brushes, everything. You can do it. Or all. if you want, you can buy the basket and then pay an additional twenty dollars, and it'll be decorated for you. Yep. Yep. And I'll have. And how close to? Because you're doing tree, two trees this year, correct? You got to. You yeah. yeah. ran so, out last year. And how yeah. close are you to being sold out on the two um, trees? I think they sold eighty. The first we just started last weekend sold eighty baskets. 
How many? 80. I don't know if you, have y'all sold any over there? Oh, I better get over there tomorrow to get mine. So I we'll will be there tomorrow. I'll go quick. The date for the um, lighten it up. December 4th. December 4th for the lighten it up. And well, I think we're having um, the canal, the Kent Harris Foundation has uh, stepped up with some funding and we're having a tent and some vendors down there for that whole thing. It was cold two years ago. Oh, yeah. So we're going to have, 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 have a tent this year. No, but you're going to stand outside this time. Yeah, it's cold. Yeah. And wet. <laughs> it's December. It's supposed to be cold and wet. Um, I guess, um, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Like, uh, down this lips and all, everything's good. Working with James from um, Parks and Rec, you know, James and Rusty, everything's, everything's good down there. I think we got a little issue going on down there, but I, I think um, it's supposed to be resolved soon. At the pier? Yeah, down at the harbor there, I think. It's supposed to be. Is, have the signs worked out? The people staying off your boats and that kind of stuff? I think man? that was more of a COVID thing than anything. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thanks to thanks to uh, Commissioner Doonville, he went up to the hardware store and got no trespassing signs and <laughs> come down and put them up itself. Appreciate that. A yeah, actually, uh, the Parks and Rec Department <coughs> also uh, helped in that, but yeah. Yeah, that's just, it's. I think the COVID thing was like people were fishing just to get out and go oh, fishing. Were, yeah. And you know you're trying to work, and they're parked behind your boat, and people are having a lot of trouble. So I think, you know, I think that was just a kind of like what we had at the parks as well. As well, oh yeah, yeah I, I, issues uh, in our parks. parks and stuff. Yeah, I think so, the, oh, yeah. from what I was talking to to the um, workers that you know there was a lot of issues going on everywhere with that. Um, other than that, I, I, I can't really. Well, do you guys that. continue to keep up the good fight. I I got a couple things if I just want to okay. touch on. Um, one thing is uh, I want to thank. And on behalf of, I do a lot of work with the Clean Chesapeake Coalition with Chip McLeod and his group and Ronnie Fithy. And on behalf of them, um, I'd like to thank you guys for joining again this year. And Chip wanted me to pass on to you. You guys are, we kind of like you to be the lead this year because Kent County basically found it necessary to not join this year because, and I'm not afraid to say this, and, and uh, Commissioner Mason, if you're watching, listen. Um, he basically said, we've lost the Conowingo, the bay is dead, why worry about it? My bay never dies. So he's a quitter. He's a quitter. He's a quitter. And I'm going next week to their commission meeting, and he's going to get to full money from me. I've about had it. And, I mean, to, to sit there and see what this Conowingo's done, and a lot of people I know because there's been a lot of stuff with the, the president and this and that and money and all this, but from the 28th of October, until just last uh, Monday, the Conowingo had the largest discharge of sediment and water since Hurricane Lee. Wow. There were seven consecutive days that, that they were open, excess of 138,000 cubic feet per second. Just to let you know, that's 38,000 cubic feet per second over the, the scouring stage. They had as many as average of five gates as high as 12, sometimes seven, and they were just bouncing all around. I wonder why you guys can't harvest oysters north That's of right. the Chesapeake and, Bridge. And to add to it, you know, the, the damage that was done in Kent and Cecil County, uh, it amazes me because, see, farmers even have to understand this last scouring and last dump we had coming out of the Conowingo Bay Dam gives us a 25-year TMDL load of nitrogen and phosphorus. So the farmers are out here that are putting phosphorus and nitrogen on their ground are suffering because of what's coming out behind that Conowingo Dam. That's not fair. So fortunately, we've got a thing on the 6th with the uh, uh, Maryland Farm Bureau down in Cambridge, and they've invited me to give a 
good two-hour speech on exactly how we got to fix this problem. Do so. you think you could do it all in two hours? No. No. <laughs> but the other thing directly across from Queen Anne's County is the fact that everybody is bragging about how great the uh, city of Baltimore and their wastewater treatment plant. During the surge and all that rain, 3.2 million, million gallons of raw effluent into the bay. The west wind came. Where did 90% of that stuff come? Kenton, Queen Anne's County. Hmm. And the other thing is, too, people are asking, what's wrong with the northern bay? There's been a study done, um, number one, and it's kind of the, this is kind of a pandemic scare. A guy was wondering why there's so many fish that don't look good and the rockfish don't look good in the bay. Well, the problem is, is that um, there's a, a disease, they call it fish handler's disease which is, uh, it's a bacteria that is created when you basically slime a fish and then you can actually do that on your hand, come back in three days later and there's your finger. It's microbacteriosis. They have found that 80% of the fish in the Chesapeake and 70% and of the, the fish that they studied in the Hudson River have internal and external microbacteriosis. What do those two bodies of water share in common? High levels of estrogen, high levels of antibiotics, high level high levels of antibacterial products and caffeine. So that's what's going on in the Bay. And you guys being with the clean Chesapeake, I mean, Chip and I are gonna be working on some things and you know, he's gonna get with what's going on as far as what we're gonna to have to do. We got Mako coming, what, two weeks? We got the Mako meeting, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, December, is it? No, uh, yeah, December. It's three, four weeks, four weeks, yeah, four weeks. We got Mako, and I think that's going to be one of the conferences down at Mako about the, you know, what's going on with the, with the Chesapeake. But the thing is, it's, it's hard for these guys to put and spend money and put oysters in a water that will not survive. It just doesn't work. I mean, you can put all the fish in a pond unless you've got good oxygen and good food source, they're not going to make it. So that's why you're seeing, you're asking the question, why is the lower bay better? So north of the Bay Bridge, as far as I'm concerned, is a cesspool. No one's doing anything about it. Um, you know, we just finished the Oyster Advisory Committee on trying to develop an oyster plan. Um, five years ago, I sat in a church over in Annapolis on the opening day of that Oyster Advisory Committee and said, why are we here? Well, we're here to make up a new oyster plan. And I said, well, we had a plan that worked from 1960, which is mentioned in here, from 1960 to 2006 that generated 50 million, 59 million bushels of oysters and $73.4 million in revenue. Why did we stop it? Oh, because the environmentalists and the Bay Foundations were the one behind it, stopped it. Well, they just finished the Chesapeake Bay Commission Summit down in Virginia last week. Uh, Virginia... 12 years ago, did 80,000 bushels of oysters. We were ahead of them the whole time. This year, they're, op they're operating on 800 to a million bushels. And why is that? Well, this is good for Queen Anne's County. Langenfelder's property at Love Point was the hub of that industry for 40, 46 years. The dredge that was made to dredge shells, the only one in the world, was made in Queen Anne's County by Langenfelder Company. You know where that dredge is now? Virginia. You know why it's in Virginia? It's because the environmentalists don't want us dredging shell up here, 
but they're doing it in Virginia. So now what the environmentalists have done, they have asked the federal government for more money for Shell. Okay? In the Bay here, we have 150 million bushels of Shell that is absolutely doing nothing. It's buried under about a foot of mud. It's called Man of War Shoals. That would restore 15,000 acres of bottom in the Bay. The Bay Foundation doesn't want us to touch it. In another 14 days, I'll be having a meeting, and I'd like for you guys to come down. We're going to be doing a press conference down at Hemingway's, and I will personally be asking the government to finance this program because if you look at what has happened over the past two weeks, in the next five years, the Chesapeake Bay Program will receive $238 million for Bay restoration. Senator Van Hollen and, and Senator Cardin have asked for an additional $737 million. So that's $950 million is going to be coming into the Bay. There is no reason why north of this Bay Bridge from Queen Anne's County North, we should not have the way the oysters when, when, when Troy and I were growing up. We ought to have a thousand guys working in the Chester River. We ought to have a hundred people coming up from Southern Maryland staying in Rock Hall, my home port staying there the whole time and working until New Year's when they have to go home to their families. That's what we need to have. We don't need to have all this garbage and crud flowing up and down this bay. It's absolutely unheard of. I mean, the Western Shore doesn't care. They don't care. They don't, I mean, half the people know one thing about the bay. It's wet. That's all. You go to Annapolis, that's all they know. They know but they're going to put a regulation putting me and him out of business. So, you know, I, I thank you guys for what you're doing, but we've really, you know, we, we've got a hard fight coming ahead of us. It's, it's going to get ugly. It's going to get real ugly because they want us, you know, when you have the comptroller of the state of Maryland, and I'm not saying the governor or the governor wannabe, the actual comptroller come to a town in, East, in, in, in Talbot County of Easton and say he wants to put a moratorium on all water filtering bivalves and phase out the wild fishery, over my dead body. It ain't happening. And as far as him becoming governor, I'll say it too, it ain't happening either. Because <laughs> Dorchester County has already said they will spend every dime in Dorchester County going against this guy. So this is, you know, this is horrible that someone has to say that. I mean, you guys wouldn't say you're going to put, you know, uh, you know, school bus drivers out of work. You're not going to put people in your own county out of work. This guy comes over and says he's going to put Look at the, I mean, here, let me give you a four-inch grinder. Take the waterman off the other side. Do that in the, every state building. Get rid of the waterman if that's what you want. But that's what we're fighting. They don't want to hurt us. And Troy will tell you this. They want us off the water. They don't want us there. We're in the way. They don't want us there. But hey, we're not going anywhere. So. I need one more thing before we get out of here. <coughs> Did, uh, I don't know if you all have heard anything about this national park stuff. Um, I just, um, I am on the um, Title Fish Advisory Commission, and we we unanimously voted not to support any of it. Um, there was a there was another project similar to this maybe five six years ago, Mallows Bay, hmm. and and we um, we voted to support it. Started out um, just in the Potomac River where. Um, I think they're like old Civil War ships or something, or whatever, whatever's left of them from waterline down. It started to be, you know, a relatively small area. And then they found another one a half a mile upriver. So the boundary all of a sudden jumped 
a half a mile. And this boundaries that they set up prevented you guys from from um, commercial fishing in it was going to be uh, regulated. I think yeah. is what it was. And then they found an all ship a mile down. You know, so the the, the footprint actually just ex expanded rapidly, and we ended up not supporting it. And I think it, it eventually went back to its original size, and I think the governor finally supported it. So right now, you know, what's going on? Um, I think there's no real specifics, but just due to how things went and pre, you know, previously, right now we have, you know, decided not to support it for for right now. And and your concern is that they're going to take away. Well, let, let, let me tell you something. Let me say one more thing, real okay. quick, Rob. The Chesapeake Bay, you can recreate anywhere you want into it right now. Yep. All you got to do is get your if you got a kayak or a canoe. The county has plenty of landings. You take your kayak or canoe to county landing, go over, and you can recreate. There's only one place you can't recreate. And I think the last time we were here, we talked about that, and that's um, aquaculture leases, that a, a, a person owns that property and they're on top of the water, so you can't get through that, you know, naturally. But anywhere else in the bay, you can, you can recreate all you want. And, and our concern is if you turn that into a national park over there, what, what we were told was like from Weston House south, you know, between the bay and Whitehall Creek. That's what they wanted. So, are they going to want that's crab pot area? Are they going to want some crab pot in front of it? That's you know that's maybe they say yes, but you so know. The, so the concern is that you're going to they're going to take away harvesting areas well, that what, you guys have been using. What they said, I had the initial meeting with Mr. Dunn right in town here at Docks, and I told him right out of the gate, uh, -uh ain't going to work. Oh, but this is going to do that. This is going. I said no. No, we do not want the park service here, and we don't want a recreational area. Not now. And I said, would you agree to a four-year feasibility study to see if it's feasible? I mean, with the way the bay is right now, too many more people bringing their garbage and their pollution here, we don't need. I'm sorry. If you're worried about the money, hey, I'll write you a check. But as far as that goes, no, you're not going to be killing the bay. So they've painted this picture. You saw it go on at Mako. They said, well, there's no draft. There's no draft. There's no draft bill. There's no draft bill. Where do we get the copy of the draft bill then if there's no draft bill? They know what they want. They know what they're going to do. And they've done this several times. One of my board of directors, Mr. Domenico, or D. Domenico, he did it in Florida for the, for the Park Service for 10 years. Got so embarrassed by what happened. They started this park. Okay, we're not going to mess with the fishing. We're not going to mess with anything. Then they said, oh, there's manatees in there. Nothing over six knots. Oh, the coral's getting damaged by the by the uh, stone crab traps. No more. So now, guess what it is? It's electric motors only. It's off limits to everybody. And the thing is, they're going to come in here. So I asked I asked Mr. Dunn specifically. I said, "What is the Park Service going to do?" Because I don't even see them on the paper initially. Now they are on there. They are going to manage the the park. Manage manage what? Manage it. No, you got to manage something. What are you going to manage? Um, the activities. I rest my case. Fishing, hunting, crabbing, oystering. If it's a if it falls into a problem, but being this into consideration too, what surrounds every piece of water we have here in the bay already? The John Smith Trail. What's that from? U.S. Park Service guys. All they got to do is touch it. Its domain is all in course in that area. So, I mean, I don't trust it. I, and now is not the time to do it. They sold a bill of goods. They tried to to Easton, 
and Talbot County, and I don't think they want anything to do with it. And, um, you know, if their gentlemen would like to come in and have a roundtable in Queen Anne's County, I know certain watermen said they would never want to talk to them. I loathe the day that I have them at a table with me because I got some real good questions asked them that they can't answer. But to turn this this bay into a national park right now would be the devastation of everything we've got going on. So. Well, thank you. We'll have you guys in again. To, if that goes any further, tell us more about it. Yeah, and I mean, if you guys want to contact these, I mean, what they need to do is there has to be some form of coordination with these people, and, and Chip and the Clean Chesapeake, I'm working with them on this. There has to be coordination with local governments. That's, that's the law. Yeah. They just can't come in and slam it into you. So if you guys want to do something and, and take the lead, which I know I'd love to see you guys would in Queen Anne's, now the lead of, of the clean Chesapeake, you know, with the other counties, because I don't, you know, I don't know what these guys in Kent County are going to do. I mean, they don't know what they're going to do. But other than Ron Fifty, and Ron's a real good guy. Plus, you know, Ronnie's a, a Republican He's got to be embarrassed. So. Yeah, so. All right. Thank All right, you guys. Thank, thank you very much. much. Thanks, Thanks guys. It's always, it's been a pleasure. Can I, Phil, can I keep this? Yes, you can. Thank you much. I'm glad you watered it down a little bit. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> they had to do some heavy convincing. Yes, they did. Thanks, Josh. All right. All right. Take care. Thanks, gentlemen. Okay, commissioners. Uh, press and public comment. Anybody on the list? Nobody. All right. We'll do roundtable. Roundtable. Commissioners. I, I think for the sake of time, I'm I just. Gotta, I got gotta, one quickie. Well, if anybody has anything, anything, Stevie. Nothing. Jim. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I got something. I, I just, you know, from looking at the book and, and some things, I think that, Todd, you need to, uh, and I, I think we brought this up at the last meeting, the boards and commissions, the, the, the fees, the salaries, you know, we need to look at that for some sort of study. And uh, for those who don't know, Queen Anne's County is, is, I don't want to say bleeding employees, but we're losing employees. So I think that uh, the county administrator with finance is looking to something to help retain our employees, some sort of uh, funding solution for that. So something we can you mean like a retention, about. something to you know, you know, if it's a bump in salary, whatever. But we're you know, we we can't keep bleeding employees. So something to well, we're training them and giving them to other counties. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. So, anyways, that's all I have. Good point. I, 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 honestly, I just wanted to bring up and congratulate the nine Eagle Scout proclamations Ooh. I got to sign tonight. Um, that's phenomenal. A county of 50,000, and we're going to have nine Eagle Scouts in less than a week. I mean, oh. and I've participated in that. I know Chris has. I think Phil's done some. Jim's been to some. But it's, uh, it's amazing how well our Boy Scout troops do here in the county. I'm very proud of, you know, how many we turn out. Yeah. And, and to achieve Eagle Scout... How would a lot you, of commitment. I mean, how would you commit? I mean, how how could you quantify the, the, the time commitment and, and what you have to do to, to well, achieve Eagle Scout? What, what's impressive when you read the proclamations and you read all the other things they're doing besides becoming an Eagle Scout. A couple of them I saw 4.3 GPAs, uh, two sports teams, things. I mean, you know, so that's a lot of commitment. And mm -hmm. that's just one more thing. And it's, you know, they see it through from the time they're like six or seven years old to 17. That's a 10-year commitment. That shows... Hopefully in the future, that's how they're going to live their life is commit themselves to something and follow through. So it's good to see nine of them. Congratulations okay, to yes. all of them. Yeah. Do know? Uh, no, I'm going to, I have nothing. I'm going to. I'll entertain a motion to adjourn. So moved. All right. Boom, boom. We're done. You have been watching the Queen Anne's County Commissioners Meeting. Thanks for joining us tonight. This program is brought to you by QAC-TV. QAC-TV are these people right here. And these people right here would love to thank you again for your continued support.
Please check us out on Facebook, YouTube, like, subscribe, notifications, all that good stuff. And we'll see you at the next commissioner's meeting.